February 25th, 1976. Stories, President Ford says good economic news was the big factor in his primary win in New Hampshire. Secretary of State Kissinger will question former President Nixon about Red China upon Mr. Nixon's return. And that, friends, is the 9 o'clock edition of the news. John Scott reporting for Lester Smith. Next news as it happens, next scheduled news tonight at 11 o'clock. Stay tuned now for Gene Shepard. Coming up next, over WOR New York. received a mysterious card here at Sir Shepherd's. Your influence is beginning to slowly seep its way like a poison gas through the world. As I was in a men's room in Haifa in Israel just two weeks ago and scrawled on the wall over a very important piece of plumbing in the men's room in Haifa with the simple expression, flick lift. Do you have any estimation of this? <laughs> I'll tell you, kid. <laughs> no, I have a feeling that, you know, a thousand years from now, uh, archaeologists are going to be digging in the ruins of various cities around, and they're going to come across all kinds of mysterious slogans that have been written on walls. And one of the most mysterious of all the slogans they're going to come across is the one that says, Flick lift. And, uh, of course, there will be, naturally, various schools of philosophy developed, and uh, they will be opposing. One school will think that uh, Flick was a late 20th century theological leader. Another group says, no, it was the misspelling of a common Anglo-Saxon word. Uh, that, uh... <laughs> well... Hey, hey uh, before I go any further, because uh, I'm feeling uh, not necessarily inadequate, but I'm feeling a little shaky. Uh, do you ever go through days, you know, they say that barometric pressure has a great deal to do with the human soul. And the barometric pressure, uh, the movement of the tides. Yeah, they claim the tides have something to do with it. You know, I have never had anything to do with a tide in my life. But they say that the tides, the phases of the moon all these great things, whether they're watering your beer. A lot of stuff can affect you that you don't even know about. Yeah, you know. And they say that uh, if you drink water that has too much uh, of a certain chemical in it, you begin to have delusions that your car is swearing at you. And uh, you don't know why this is happening. You just walk around, all of a sudden you hear voices. Like uh, one time I went into this phone booth here. This only been a couple of weeks ago. But you know the way time moves in uh, the latter stages of the 20th century, that a couple of weeks ago is like ancient history. It really is. Uh, well, already, Watergate. Watergate has a certain purple fustian quality to it, like, uh, oh, I don't know, like uh, the Whiskey Rebellion. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, and you can hardly remember when Nixon was president. Can you actually remember it? Well, you know, you can, yeah. If I say to you, can you remember when Nixon was saying, you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but generally, walking around, you don't. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, well, I, listen, I was uh, walking through a park one day, and I heard this guy yelling and arguing 
with a whole bunch of people. He was up on a soapbox, see, and he still was arguing about the Vietnam War. Well, you know, uh, passions may run high, friend, but they don't run that long. I mean, not in most people, and the crowd was very bored. But right down about three park benches further on, on top of a soapbox, there was a lady down there who was giving a speech on talking to your plants. You know, that if you, if you talk to your plants, uh, that your plant will respond. And uh, if, you, if you really tell your plant that you love it, the plant is liable to really go like, you know, Billy be damned, to really grow. And she had about 5,000 people standing around there. And the poor Vietnam guy had about nine guys. And the only reason they were there is because they couldn't get into the other car that was talking about geranium. It was just too big. Now, <laughs> I mean, life is like that, friends. you just got to remember that whatever it is that you're involved in right now, you won't even remember it a year from now, clearly. And you may be, you know, you may be fantastically involved with this girl right now. You can't believe that there's anything that's, you know, you discovered what volcanic lava is when you've discovered this girl. Your life has totally changed. Well, I'll guarantee you, two years from now, you won't even remember her name. That's a terrible thing. And what's worse, she won't remember yours. So whether you live or not, uh, is lost and will be ultimately lost in history. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, that's one of the most discouraging things about walking around in the middle of, uh, in the middle of museums. You see all this stuff, tapestries, great paintings, and they're all gone. People made this stuff. Hardly anything lasts more than 20 or 30 minutes. And even then, even as it comes out of the machine, full-blown, ready to go, it's often already developing rust spots. Uh, you better give me a little organ music to accompany that somber thought, please. Yes. Uh, this uh, very concerned radio station at this time takes a few moments out in the hurly-burly of modern living to contribute a true public service to our time. The public service that points out to you the inevitability that it will all in time pass. Oh, no. Not me, no. No. Not my 53 Mercury. No, no. It'll last forever. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's just a public service there. I mean, um, you see, I think a true public service is a, is a worrying service. Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, I, I, I think that, that most of us, uh, as we walk around, are beset with tiny devils and imps that live in our head uh, that convinces us <laughs> of, our, of our total uh, insignificance at times. And then on the other hand, there's another imp that keeps saying, no, you're the greatest thing that ever lived. Do you realize that when you were created, you were the best thing to come along in this world 
since bottled beer. You are fantastic. And then there's another imp that says, oh, boy, they don't even know you're alive. Nobody. They'll give a damn. And those imps battle it out. Nothing lasts. I'm not sure, though. I'm about to make a profound social statement. <laughs> George, <laughs> adding my voice to the other 27 billion guys that are making profound social statements at all hours of the day and night on television, any known medium. You know, I'm going to tell you something awful. My entire life, I cannot remember anybody making one profound social statement that I heard, that I was privileged to hear. I say that with the sarcastic quotes around it, privileged, that ever changed my life. I have never bought anything in my life that changed my life. How many times do you see reviews of movies that says a profound moving experience unforgettable? And you're going to see it. And 15 minutes later, you're sitting in Lums, eating a hot dog cooked in beer, and you can't remember the film you saw. Is it because of a failing in you? I am going to submit no. It is not a failing in you. Nobody can remember. Even the reviewer. It's just a nice thing to write. Doesn't have a damn thing to do with life. Very little writing does. I mean, life just goes on. You stand there in the shoe repair place. Watch that guy fixing the shoes of the world. That machine is roaring. And he's grinding away the rough edges of the new rubber heels. Pounding those nails into the soles of existence. Down the street, somebody's popping the top off a can of diet tab. Overhead, a 707 is slowly working its way towards Las Vegas. Nothing changes. It's a good friend. Tonight is kind of special. The beer will fall. Must be something more somehow. So tonight, tonight, let it be known, Brown. Good friend. Friends or new ones. Friends you see once a day or once a year. Just let them be good friends. And to match the way you feel about them, let the beer be lowered down. We're for a special beer. I'm glad you're here right now. taste of Lord Brown. When the moment's really special, make sure the beer is too. Imported by the Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
This is Tommy Makeup. I'm sitting in the John Barleycorn, located at 209 East 45th Street, just off 3rd Avenue. The John Barleycorn is New York's first and most famous Irish singing pub. If you want a sample of what Irish hospitality is really like, you should come in and soak up the atmosphere. The hospitality is warm, the people are cheerful, and the service is just fantastic. They have an old saying at the barley corn, there are no strangers here, only friends you haven't met. And you can prove that to yourself by dropping in any time. You can have lunch, dinner, or supper seven days a week, and a good time all the time. The food is fit for royalty, and as a matter of fact, some of the recipes have been handed down from the courts of Irish kings. The John Barleycorn. The Irish Oasis in Midtown Manhattan. For lunch, dinner, or special party information, call YU61088. Uh, Miss Grimble? Yes. Welcome to Martin Payne. Thank you. Since this is your first day, yes. I thought I'd help you get started. Oh, good. Uh, this is your switchboard. Oh, I recognized it right away. Ah, uh, Good. Oh, this is really a big place. Yeah, well, the Martin Home Decorating Centers are quite extensive. My. Oh, there's your first call. Mm. Good morning, Martin Payne. No, I'm sorry. Uh, what was that? Wall coverings. Oh, we have wall coverings. Oh. oh over 1,600 patterns. Really? And floor coverings, all the national brands. My. Just be careful. Good morning, Martin Payne's floor covering and wall coverings. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, what was that? Uh, decorative lumber. Oh, Miss Grimble, look around you. What do you see? Decorative lumber. That's right. This yes. is a complete home decorating center. Oh. Floor coverings, wall coverings, lighting, uh, ceiling tiles, wall tiles, court tiles, mirror tiles, lighting fixtures, dimmers, bulbs, bathroom accessories. But I can't say all that. Well, do the best you can. Good morning, Martin's Home Decorating Center. It ain't just paint. Buenos dias, amigos. I am Jose Perez. Maybe you remember me as Cyrano or in Moulin Rouge. But in real life, you know, I was born in beautiful Puerto Rico. Today, so many people think of the island only as the bustling city of San Juan. But there's another Puerto Rico. As a child, I ran on its silky, white sand beaches and heard the song of the coquille in sunsets like Spanish gold. This is the Puerto Rico of Cerro Mar and Dorado Beach hotels, the rock resort places 20 miles from San Juan. Here, people are courteous and gracious. There are two miles of magnificent beaches, four famous golf courses, great tennis, and miles of trails by the sea. Come to my Puerto Rico, the beautiful Puerto Rico of Cerromar and Dorado and Jose Ferrer. For a great golfing or tennis vacation, come to Dorado Beach in sunny, warm, Puerto Rico. See your travel agent or call any Lowe's reservations office. Monsieur Caballeros, Madame et Monsieur, Signore e Signores, ladies and gentlemen, in any language, it's that time of year again. Carnavale, that exciting, fun-filled Mardi Gras, food, fun, and entertainment is back at Mama Leone's. Mama's chefs have put together their marching band. Mama's waiters have been rehearsing their songs. The strolling troubadours are all tuned up. The balloon man is squeaking out his little masterpieces. And Mama's tarantella dancers are stamping away. Hey, 
and the kitchen is going full blast. Bring someone who's never been to Carnival. Let them gape at the fantastic decorations. Let them wander around the restaurant. Let them sing. Let them dance if they've got the nerve. And let them watch Goggle Eye as the endless amount of Mama's wonderful cooking is brought to your table. Probably the best single night you can ever spend at any restaurant in New York is during Carnival at Mama Leone's, 239 West 48th Street. Carnival till March 2nd. Remember Mama Leone's Carnivale through March 2nd. Well, uh, even if you think that outer space, if you're one of these uh, Star Trek freaks, may be a nice place to visit, you probably would not like to live there. And uh, unless you read the February issue of Smithsonian Magazine, that's where you'll encounter the ideas of a brilliant scientist who thinks that living in space, colonies, actually living in a colony, is the only possible way you can do it. Now, uh, if you've been looking for a nice neighborhood, maybe you'd like to read about this. This is the Smithsonian Magazine. What else do they have going in February? Well, let's see. You'll read the facts and the myths of St. Valentine and the growing interest in the medicinal effects of ginseng. <laughs> oh, boy, this is an exciting magazine. This is the Smithsonian Magazine. If you'd like to take advantage of their new subscription offer, a whole year for just 10 bananas, call 265 6500. Get your bananas ready. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Barry Lyndon and Dog Day Afternoon. These are leading contenders for Oscars at the 48th Annual Academy Awards presentation, March 29th. And there are films I recommended here on WR's Rambling with Gambling program at the time they opened in New York last year. I'm Walter Spencer. Join me at 9.20 each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning when I review the new films, and again at the same time each Saturday when I sum up the pictures playing in the neighborhoods and suburbs. Get late word on the best and the worst of the new movies. That way you can keep up with Hollywood and ahead of Oscar. A little organ music, please. Just a little. Do you really think that if the right candidate is nominated and elected, naturally your candidate, that your life will actually change? <laughs> this is not to denote cynicism with the political system. It denotes a view of life. There's nothing to do with politics. But one of the great dreams of all mankind is that if the right pharaoh is in office, the pyramid will turn to pure gold. Just a minute. Let's, let's get this straight. Uh, there are things. You like that, huh? Now, I'm going to use the next cut, the other one, the spring one later. Now, just hold it there. Because uh, I have good news to report to you tonight, my fellow sufferers. Good news. Would you please uh, bring on my romantic good news music, please? 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't you once like to wear one of those gauze pajamas and go floating through the woods blowing on a pair of flutes? And you know, and you got these uh, fur pants and cloven hoops. <laughs> you that uh, the, the winter will come to an end and there will be a spring, and when the spring comes, once again, that human mantis will take place in your head, that compost heap of all kinds of conflicting emotions. You'll say, <laughs> well, I'm not going to blow it this summer. I am going all the way. I'm going all the way, like they do in the Valentine beer commercial. I'm going to, you only live once. Or is that the Schlitz commercial? Doesn't matter. Hold it there. Oh, at ease, at ease. Reset that. You see, this that was a moment of hope. And you don't get many of these moments. What I'm trying to say here, it doesn't matter one way or the other. Life itself. Time now for a profound uh, statement. This will appear on the Blue Book exam regarding this program later on in the year. So I would suggest you make a note of this. Friends, regardless of who's in or who's out, what political party is in or who's out, life itself is infinitely worth living. you agree with that? Have you ever noticed that people who are really angry and into politics rarely smile? Because they are missing the point of life. You just never see Bella Abzug with a grin on her face. Can't imagine it, can you? Uh, speaking of uh, fantasies, this is WOR New York. And uh, we will be back immediately following this barrage of commercials. Hope springs eternal. Say, the next time you have lunch or dinner in New York, how would you like to enjoy absolutely fabulous food in an absolutely fantastic restaurant? A restaurant that's three levels of excitement, color, and New York vibrance. A restaurant that glows with Tiffany top tables, potted palms, fresh flowers, old clocks, and beautiful people. Well, if you like the idea, the restaurant is Thursday. And it's as much fun as it is delicious. You could spend an hour just reading the menu while you sip on something special like a huge Thursday sangria. There are little corners to hide in. Swinging bars on two levels, even a suspended dance floor to lose your blues on. Thursdays is very close to the theater district. It's fabulous for lunch. And it serves dinner until the disrespectful hour of 3 a.m. It's on 58th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. Thursdays. It's really fantastic. Last year, Road and Track magazine, after testing hundreds of 1975 cars, picked the 10 best in the world. Cars like Porsche and the Mercedes-Benz. The Volkswagen Rabbit was the only one of the top ten with a price of under $3,500.
Some pretty good cars in that price class were beaten by the rabbit. Cars like Toyota, Datsun, Pinto, and Vega did not even make the ten best list. Why was the Volkswagen rabbit selected over all these other cars? Overall economy, room, and an advanced lightweight engine that gives you sports car performance in an economy car. You get all of this in the suggested 1976 East Coast retail port of entry price of under $3,500. Transportation, local taxes, and dealer delivery charges additional. So if you want one of the ten best cars in the world, and you want to spend only about $3,500 for it, you have no choice. The Volkswagen Rabbit. One of the ten best cars in the world. Did you know that the estrogen pills used by four million women can cause all kinds of problems. Did you know why it is taking 15 years to take red dye number two off the market? Do you know that the Civil War in Lebanon could become the fifth Arab-Israeli War? Did you know that? Well, if you didn't know all these things, you have not been reading the National Observer. Sounds like a fun paper, doesn't it? You know, news about cancer, wars in Israel, all that stuff. But nevertheless, this is the National Observer and you can get the next 26 weekly issues of this fantastic paper for only $6, which is less than 23 cents a week. Well, you, you, you lose that amount of change out of your pocket every day just looking for your keys, right? So if you can uh, take advantage of this, subscribe to the National Observer now. Call toll-free 800-228-1776. That's 800-228-1776. As the prices go up, up, up. World-famous Harvey's Seafood House on 3rd Avenue at 34th Street has reduced prices. World-famous Harvey's Seafood House on 3rd Avenue at 34th Street wants even more business, so... We've reduced all entrees from 50 cents to a dollar. We added a choice of six complete dinners at $5.95 and $6.95. You save as much as $2. That's savings. If we get enough extra business, we're smart. If not, dumb, dumb, dumb. World-famous Harvey's Seafood House near 34th Street on 3rd Avenue has free two-hour dinner parking. World-famous Harvey's Seafood House serves only the finest quality seafood available. Cholesterol-free fish makes Harvey's Seafood House a must for diet-conscious, heart-conscious people. You. Do yourself a favor. Come on over to world-famous Harvey's Seafood House on 3rd Avenue near 34th Street. You'll enjoy. American Express and Diners Club welcome. A new comedy, The Primary English Class, starring Diane Keaton, just opened at the Circle in the Square downtown. And the critics cheered. Clive Barnes of the New York Times called it extremely funny, and Diane Keaton is delightful. Rex Reed of the Daily News said, The Primary English Class is an absolute delight. Diane Keaton is marvelous. For one of the funniest evenings in the theater, don't miss Diane Keaton in The Primary English Class at the Circle in the Square downtown on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village. Discover the Americana world of hotels. This winter, Mexico City and Acapulco are the south of the border capitals of the Americana world. You can have either beautiful city with the beautiful savings on our hotel playaway plans. The moment of truth? Three days and two nights at the Fiesta Palace in Mexico City. Just $47 per person, double occupancy. Take in everything from Mayan temples to museums. Or an eight-day, seven-night week at the Americana Hotels that tower over Acapulco Bay, Condesa del Mar, El Presidente, or Fiesta Tortuga. From $229 to $307 per person, double occupancy. Stay at one, play at all three. 
Then enjoy everything in Acapulco, from a gala Mexican night to a Mexican country fair. But whichever playaway plan you choose, Mexico in the Americana world is out of this world. For reservations, call toll-free 800-433-1776 or your travel agent. And the great rate that you should take advantage of is the great rate of Miami. Now, for only $49 a week, you can have a Chevy Vega or similar car with unlimited mileage. That's great. That's right. For $49 a week plus gas, you can drive all you want with no charge for mileage. With so much to see and do around Miami, why pay more than you have to for a car? Call Budget and get the great rate. Before you come on down, ask your travel agent to get you the great rate of Miami or call budget toll-free, 800-228-9650. Okay. All right. Uh, now, it's time, time to really get into it here. <laughs> now... I don't know how to quite get into this. Difficult thing to get into because, you know, there are certain subjects that are, when you, when you touch on them, when you're just sitting in, you know, in a crowd and you're talking, you're at a cocktail party, you're kind of afraid to bring up certain things because you don't want to be out of, uh, let's say, the mode. In other words, what I'm saying here is that ideas even have a fashion to them like clothes. And if you have the wrong idea, you can be as out <laughs> as, say, if you come in wearing a pair of knickers. You know, hey, speaking of, of ideas, you know, I saw a sad thing the other day. I'm walking along the street, and uh, if, you, if you really keep your eyes open, you really look at the street when you walk around. I mean, really look at the street. You know, a lot of people don't really look at anything in their lives. I mean, really look. For example, how often when you walk down the street do you really look at a garbage can and really look to see what's in there? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, most people just walk right on by. And I want to say that if you look in garbage cans, and I don't mean go and, and rummage through them, you just keep your eyes open, just look, and see stuff that people throw out and just stuff that's sitting around on the street. You will see far more about the condition of our life than you will by reading the editorial pages. Now, for example, we're probably the only country in the world where you can walk down streets and find television sets thrown out. Now, that's fantastic. I mean, have you, have you ever seen this? You walk down the and, and and one day, yeah, one day I, a friend of mine picked up one of these TV sets who was sitting on the street, you know, sitting out there by the rest of all the rubbish and stuff, and he took it home. He figured it wouldn't work, so he took it home, plug it in, it worked fine. And it turns out that the reason the guy threw it out was because it was not a color set. Friends, we are living in a country that makes Imperial Rome look like Atlantic City. 
<laughs> I mean, that's a, that's that's a fantastic concept. And so you walk down the street and you see a TV set there. Well, that says something about our life. And you won't find the, uh, the comment that I'm trying to make about our life in the editorial pages of the Times. It has nothing to do with affluence. Yet, peripherally, it does. Now, like the other day, I see in a garbage can, just walking along the street, I see, I couldn't believe at first what I was seeing. I thought I saw a 38. Now, a 38, I'm talking about, you know, a Roscoe. I figured I'd seen this 38, see? And, and I said, oh, great Scott, somebody's getting rid of the evidence. And there was a 38. It was in a holster, and it turns out that it was one of these things. Do you remember when girls were wearing holsters a couple of years ago with these fake bullets? And they had a fake gun, and they were selling for as high as, oh, some of them, I think, sold for as high as uh, 150 bucks. Yeah, they really did. It's crazy. Now I can <laughs> I can imagine how many girls have got in their in their closets hidden away. I mean, so it doesn't embarrass them when they see it because you know you you, you can really be embarrassed by looking at something that you once bought in a total fit of uh, enthusiasm, and you never did anything about it after that. I wonder how many girls have got hidden in closets holsters with fake bullets. <laughs> you know they had to have it. Oh man, I got to get this. I mean, you rush out. There was a that was a fashion that lasted maybe eight or nine minutes at the outside, and yet there was a lot of people bought them. These things. Well, I have a friend. I mean, I I, I never want to bring it up because it's so embarrassing. But I had a friend during the very top peak of the Beatlemania. Do you remember the Beatlemania? Well, at the very peak of the Beatle insanity, he, for some reason known only to himself at that time, decided, you know, he had to have this. He had to, he had to, he had to get himself an electric guitar and has Paul McCartney's face on it. <laughs> so, well, I want to tell you, electric guitars, including speakers, including the, uh, the amplifiers and the mixers and stuff, they don't come cheap. Well, he bought a Paul McCartney electric guitar, complete with the faders, reverb, uh, you know, the voice thing, which you put it on your your throat and make it sound like uh, you're singing through a tin can. You've seen those things. He's got this whole works. He played it once for about five minutes, rapidly realized that he couldn't play it. It wasn't fun. And uh, it's been at the bottom of his closet ever since. So you can see about our time by looking at what people throw away or don't throw away often. Well, the other day, and this is where we get into uh, into the whole crux. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I drive into this uh, shopping center the other day, and they have a bookstore in the shopping center. Now, I don't know whether this is a significant trend or not. I am inclined to think it is. And there in the shopping center, and I've never seen anybody report this, there's this bookstore. And, you know, the usual bookstore, they've got uh, all kinds of uh, racks of paperbacks and stuff. But it was the first time I've ever seen a bookstore that had a poster on the front window about a, a, a shipment of books that have just arrived. You know, you would expect it to be something like, uh, at last, a new shipment of Jaws has arrived, something like that, you know. No way. 
there was a poster that said they have arrived a new shipment again while they last a shipment of Nancy Drew mysteries and the Hardy Boys <laughs> I'm looking at this I can't believe it well now wait do you hear what I'm saying I am saying that somebody is buying so many Nancy Drew mysteries these days that they have to put a poster out in front of the bookstore that says they have just gotten another hot shipment in. You know what the Nancy Drew mysteries are? You don't? Well, the Nancy Drew mysteries are uh, girls' books written about a, a girl named Nancy Drew who, uh, who went around and solved mysteries. For example, one of her great smash mysteries that she solved was the mystery of the stone wall. Nancy Drew and the mystery of the stone wall. Well, now, that wasn't a drink. Uh, <laughs> you, know what a stone, you know what a stone wall is? Any of you know what a drink the stone wall is? If you've never tasted a stone wall, you've missed one of the great drinks uh, of all time. And you know why it was named the stone wall? Now, I, I, I'm sure I'm off the subject here, but not really. Because uh, nothing is off the subject in life, buddy. Uh, a stone wall. Okay, who in our history was named Stonewall? Right, Stonewall Jackson. Remember, center fielder, played for the A's? Uh, no, that was, I'm sorry, that was Reggie. But uh, Stonewall Jackson. Okay, now, Stonewall Jackson lived during what period in time? What, well, he was a general, right? And, and what war was he a general in? Civil War. Okay. What did they drink in the Civil War? What did Grant drink? Whiskey. Now, wait a minute. That's not enough. There's all kinds of whiskeys, buddy. What kind of whiskey did he drink? Bourbon. That's right. All right. And, in fact, they even uh, they even often advertised the brand that Grant uh, drank. He drank a specific grand, uh, brand, and uh, he used to order it in 10-barrel lots. Now, that's a, that's a serious man. Uh, <laughs> he'd order 10 barrels. Please send 10 barrels to Chickamauga. I expect to be there for a while. But, uh, okay, uh, Stonewall Jackson drank bourbon, but he drank it in a special way. And I'm going to suggest a fantastic drink. Stonewall bourbon used to take, well, this is what's called a Stonewall. Take a tall glass, you know, like the kind you, uh, you use for, uh, say, uh, Bloody Mary, a tall glass. Put a good jigger of bourbon in the bottom of it. Use a good bourbon. In fact, a person of your taste would never use anything but a good bourbon, correct? Right. Uh, old granddad, maybe, something like that. Jack Daniels, maybe. Uh, which is really not a bourbon. It's a sour mashed Tennessee whiskey. But uh, that's different, you know. Uh, slightly. Uh, a classical bourbon would be old granddad Jim Beam. Right, there's a classic. Jim Beam, a uh, green label. Now, there's an elegant one. Now, Maker's Mark is another one. Uh, George Dickel, right? So, uh, you put a, a good size uh, dollop of bourbon in the bottom of this cold glass. Make it cold, right, for a start. So you put this bourbon in the bottom. And then, you fill up the glass with ice-cold apple cider. Friends, you have a drink 
that will make any party totally convivial. I mean, in fact, it's the kind of drink that your Aunt Min, I mean, if you say, would you like some apple cider, Aunt Min? And she tries that apple, say, she's going to love it. Within 20 minutes, her, her blue hair will have turned a light green, and she will start singing old barracks ballads that she learned as a girl. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Stonewall. Stonewall used to drink apple cider. Stonewall Jackson drank apple cider, and that goes back to the Civil War. You know that many drinks uh, go back to uh, go back to uh, various wars. Did you know that? that? That wars developed very interesting drinks. For example, have you ever heard of a French 75? You've never heard of this drink? Well, I don't want to burden you with the with the dull story of a of a French 75, but the French 75 is uh, is a drink that dates back to and was invented by a specific man in World War One. The French 75 was a cannon of the period, uh, and and uh, this cannon uh, was was uh, was known for one thing. It was a it was a 75 millimeter cannon, but it was known for one thing. This cannon was quiet. It didn't make a lot of noise. It was a it was a what they call a flat rifle cannon. Bang! You know, a, a, a sharp ringing shot like that, but it packed a fantastic wallop, which exactly describes the drink. Now, if, if you'd like to try a French 75 that was invented, I, I would warn you, by the way, I, I must raise my hand right now and say that if you're, if you're not really <laughs> serious, stay clear of this drink. This drink is lethal and is truly dangerous due to, uh, nobody quite knows what, but they say it's some of the chemical composition in it. But what it is, it's a delicious drink, really. It's a spectacularly good drink. But it was, de it was devised by an American ace, a famous flyer uh, in World War I, who uh, is sort of a legendary character. In fact, he's almost a, he is, he is a legend. His name was Raoul Lufberry. He invented the famous Lufberry turn. And Lufberry was an elegant man. Uh, he, was a, he was an American ace. He was almost like the kind of pictures you see of the ace, you know, with a white scarf and all. And uh, the Americans were a different breed of flyer than the Britishers and the Frenchmen. First, first of all, wine was not an American drink at the time, World War I. They were hard whiskey drinkers. And yet, they had all this wine. They were in France. And the French were continually giving them wine. But it just didn't have the kind of thing. If you're used to bourbon, wine is kind of a child drink, right? So one day, Raoul Lusberry is in the mess. And uh, they have champagne, and he devised a drink just like that, which was destined to become world famous and is now served in the most elegant bars in the world. He took a, a tall glass, like a drinking glass, not a wine glass, but a tall glass, and he put in the glass about three, and I might say good ones, about three dollops of cognac. You know what is it, cognac? Brandy, right? Very strong stuff. He then filled the rest of the glass up with ice-cold champagne. Wow. <laughs> now, that drink, that drink, while it sounds strange to you, you know, mixing something with champagne, is one of the world's most delightful-tasting drinks. 
I can only assure you, though, of one thing. Uh, this is probably the best-named drink in the history of drinkology. One French 75, and your head goes off like a spent shell casing. I'm serious. I have seen redwood trees felled by one French 75. <laughs> it's an elegant drink. Now, I don't know how I got into this, this uh, the mythology of drinks. Now, what was the famous drink that came out of World War II? Come on. Well, this is going to surprise you. This is really going to surprise you when I tell you what drink came out of World War II that is very famous and is drunk today. The Bloody Mary. And, and uh, <laughs> the Bloody Mary was a World War II drink. Now, who was the Bloody Mary to whom it referred? Correct. And that why did they invent that drink? Well, first of all, uh, uh, historically, apparently, the whiskey that was available in World War II was little, little better than Prestone. I mean, it was bad stuff. So you had to mix it with something to make it taste good. So mixing it with tomato juice made it palatable. It also... And now, I'll, all right, one more thing. I'll, I'll, uh, you all know how to make a Bloody Mary, right? Vodka, tomato juice, uh, some Worcestershire sauce, 